Hello, everybody. Welcome to Two Nuts in a Pod. I'm Lizzie. And I'm Emery. And we have a special guest today. Emery, would you like to introduce our guest? Yes, I will. So our special guest is Ashley Jacobs, and she's the operations director for the Kentucky Health Justice Network. Correct. That's correct. I did it. All right. Good for me. <laughs> um, and how long have you been in that position? I've been with um, Kentucky Health Justice Network for about three years now. Okay. And for, for listeners that don't know, what does Kentucky Health Justice Network do? We are um, an abortion fund. We have a trans health advocacy program, and we also have an Eastern Kentucky birth control access program. We consider ourselves a reproductive justice organization, so we try to hit all aspects of, of that reproductive justice that folks are seeking. Very, very cool. That's awesome. Thank you. So yeah, Ashley does wonderful work, basically. <laughs> and you guys met through doing that type of work, right? Yeah, right. Um, as uh, escorts at the at the clinic. Clinic escorting, yes. Yeah. Man, that must be so intense. Like, just having people, like, screaming at you and... It's a lot. Like, I... <laughs> yeah. I I don't I I mean because of how like intense it has gotten on Saturdays like I haven't been going out on Saturdays at all I've been going out um, during the week because like just the idea of going out there on Saturday mornings lately has been so much that I've just been like nah I'll stick to Tuesday yeah 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 I I try to I try to go every Saturday I I do miss a lot of them um, I guess I've been doing the past four years now good lord um, but yeah so I've been doing it try to do it as Saturdays is when I can. And yeah, it's a little, a little intense. You know, it's, it's an interesting thing to do on your Saturday morning, but yeah. I think it's the right thing to do. So agreed. Yeah. Awesome. All right. Well, business then. Yeah, I am the business person. So you're listening to two nuts in a pot on one Oh six, five forward radio. You can listen to us anytime forwardradio.org. You can also find us on streaming services, SoundCloud, Castbox, Google play, and Apple Podcast. You can also find us on social media platforms. We're on Facebook, Two Nuts in a Pod, with the number two spelled out. And we're on Instagram with Two Nuts in a Pod with just the number two, because they're all hip and cool on Instagram. And you can also email us 24-7, 365, literally anytime you want, at two nuts in a podcast at gmail.com. Our fourteen hundred interns will answer in a timely fashion. Yep. They're very good. We just add new interns every day. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's a very fast-growing program. Mm -hmm. We're looking for go-getters, quick at answering emails, all of the thousands of emails that we get all the time. So, please, you know, if you want to be an intern, that's great. But also just email us. Yeah, you can email us Bottom if you line want to is be the intern. Just email us no matter what. We want to get your emails. And honestly, I'll be pretty, pretty disappointed. Like, if you're listening to this right now in the car radio, you should pull over your car and send us an email. Yeah. About anything, really. It could be about the show. It could be about ideas you have. If you want to be the guest on the show, anything. If you want to criticize us, if you want to send us affirmations. Mm -hmm. Lizzie likes that. I know that. So Yeah, I do like affirmations a lot. So, yeah. I have low self-confidence. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the club. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, that's the business. And, yeah, email us, interns. They'll answer it. Yeah. Good to go. Cool. All right. Well, we're going to start our first segment, which is how are you for real? So this is where we talk about how we're actually doing. No, just like easy one word answers like I'm OK or I'm fine, but really kind of delve into like what's going on with us. Usually 
it's for me i'm usually doing pretty crappy so heads up that's usually <laughs> well i'm glad i'm not going to be the debbie downer of the group so <laughs> well you can't you can't uh spoil it's like a spoiler alert i'm actually yeah no that that's not going to be my answer today i'm just warning people that usually i'm pretty crappy so okay you know so i'm gonna it's okay to be crappy it is okay to be crappy yes and i'm gonna ask you first actually lizzie we're gonna switch it up a little bit here lizzie how are you for real crappy (laughs) 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 no i guess i'm fine um I have been trying to just, like, think more, like, my depression and anxiety have been bad for a while, and so I've been trying to just, like, spin things a little bit differently in my head, so I just start to, like, not really get stuck in it, because I feel like I've been wallowing in it, so lately I've been trying to be like, no, I'm pretty good, like, I've been trying to just focus on the positive side of things, like, you know, I was able to... Uh, do the dishes and some laundry this weekend. That's a big deal for me because um, I've been really like having a hard time with like a lot of self-care tasks and a lot of like around the house stuff. Um, so that's been good. And uh, I also it's been a good weekend. I had Friday off for Juneteenth um, and so just kind of got to chill on Friday and I ended up seeing some family and some friends on Friday night and then me. just kind of took it. Yeah. I saw emo. Yep. Um, we were like sweating our butts off at Merriweather. That is like the hottest porch in yeah, Louisville. I felt like night. we were under heat lamps. Like I'm, I'm like, are these light bulbs or are these like actual like heat lamps? Cause it was, it was real toasty. Yeah, I got like a slushy drink and it was reduced to liquid within like five minutes. It just was like not appealing anymore. That's disgusting. I hate that. It was just like green <laughs> liquid. I was like, oh, gross. We had a great time though. And we we've, we've introduced, we have, we play a game called Crokinole, which is like a, it's, I'm so bad at explaining what things are. It's, it's a, it's a wooden circular board. Um, and you flick these little discs into the center of the board. And you score points based off of that. And it, you know, doesn't sound that exciting, but people get like addicted to it and it's fun to play. And like so many people can play it and it's like an easy game to play at a bar. And we introduce people to the game that night. Yeah. And it's like, it's kind of like a, you can be, there are people that are really good at it and they're kind of frustrating to play with. Cause you're like, Oh my gosh, like, why are you so good? But it's like easier to play than I think it's easier than like cornhole because there's not as much like physical exertion and it's not as embarrassing if you miss because you're just flicking a, a puck. I mean, <laughs> it's kind of low stakes, so it doesn't Sounds really... like my kind of game. <laughs> yeah, I like it. I enjoy it. You can play it inside too, inside or outside anywhere, so... Yeah. The Cornell, I don't know, people would play Cornell indoors or whatever, but you know, I guess they could. Yeah. But yeah, it was, that, was, that was nice though. I enjoyed that. Yeah, that was fun. Um, and I ended up being too hot, so I didn't stay out too late. And just kind of stayed in last night. Uh, so I feel like I've had a nice, like, relaxing weekend. I got a little social interaction in, but not enough to, like, kind of take away downtime. I'm kind of in mourning because Chopped is going to be moving off of Hulu tomorrow. And it's been my mental health, like, savior over the past few months. Like, I watch a ridiculous amount of Chopped, like... 
think about a ridiculous amount and then add a few hours to that and that's how much chopped i watch and that's lizzie yeah <laughs> i love that show so i support your decision what is to that watch show? entirely too much yeah i don't know that show i guess uh, it's about food yeah food. it's like a they have timed rounds and they have like mystery ingredients in the basket so every round the cooks don't know oh. what ingredients they're going to be working with and they just have to make there's an appetizer round an entree round and a dessert round and they have like 20 minutes for appetizers and 30 minutes for the other two so it's like super fast moving and they get really wacky items in the baskets like there was like sriracha lollipops in one of the episodes i just watched oh i love sriracha lollipops <laughs> sounds so <laughs> gross there were blue cheese lollipops once so i was like oh my gosh it's such a good show though it's really good um so i'm kind of in mourning about that because it's been it's really been helping me tv just really helps me i know it's bad for my brain or whatever but it really helps with my anxiety um especially stuff that's formulaic like that or like re-watching shows that i've seen before is like really relaxing for me oh yeah for sure so i don't know i gotta figure out where what network it's moving to and probably have to spend money on another subscription i have shows that put me to bed it used to be, I used to watch The Office, and I was just like, this is just what I watch before I go to sleep, because it's just, like, comforting. Yeah. And they took it off Netflix and put it on Peacock or whatever, and now I don't have it, so I can't do that, so. Yeah. I fell asleep last night watching Game of Thrones again, so it was just like, I'm just watching something <laughs> again and falling asleep to it, like, I just don't, I'll just fall asleep halfway through the episode and be like, what episode am I on? It just, like, plays, like, three or four more episodes, you have oh, no idea. Oh, that happens to me all the time. I like, I'll, like, go back three or four chopped episodes i'm like how did i sleep through all this <laughs> i love falling asleep to the tv it's i know it's again i know it's bad for you but i don't know like i was raised on like watching a lot of tv my mom said that's one of the regrets she has she wishes she had never let us watch tv but i'm like as someone with social anxiety like tv is like i have this really special relationship to it like i feel like i am addicted to it um and but it's just i think it's a world with like rules that is a way for me to like almost socially interact without making myself vulnerable so it's like it feels like this safe place to like i don't know i feel like the characters are my friends and it's just like a safe place to like kind of a safe place to inhabit and also like in my defense uh who was the really smart writer that was a tv addict I think it was, is it David Foster Wallace? Who was it? Well, I'd have to argue that, like, as you think, is to keep thinking about the name, but I have to argue that, like, when people say TV's bad for you, because I grew up on TV a lot as well. And I, was, I grew up in a family where my parents would not really watch what we wanted to watch. We just watched what they wanted to watch. So I'm just, like, seven years old watching these radar movies with my dad, and he's, like, not explaining anything that's happening in the movie. You're just like, this is really wild what's going on. Like, I don't know what's happening, but okay. But that's just, that's just their, that was their style, and whatever. I mean, I guess I'm okay now. Uh, but I think TV can open up so many creative avenues for people, and I, I've there's so many things that I've seen through TV, through different movies and shows that I've liked that, like, really sparked my creativity. And, yeah, like... You know, I might not have, like, a completely unique idea, and I might be borrowing from others' ideas, but, like, it's that creativity is being, I guess, born from, like, what I'm seeing on TV a lot of times. 
And then a lot of times the the movies and shows are super educational. Like I just, there's shows that like you know you wouldn't think you'd learn something from. You're like, oh okay, that's pretty interesting or whatever. That's a cool fact. But like you can learn from shows. So I think, I don't know. It's like every generation was like the radio is gonna kill you, TV is gonna kill you, the internet's gonna kill you. I don't know what we're gonna say next is gonna kill us. But like we always say it's bad Social for us. Social media maybe. And a lot <laughs> of it is means. is kind of good. For, it can be very good for. I mean, obviously if you consume it and you know, too much or in correct ways or whatever, that can be bad, but like, I don't know. Yeah. And I definitely feel like I consume a little too much. My husband watches more than I do. We're both TV addicts. Uh, but I think too, that sometimes I can tell the mood I'm in. Like if I, if I feel like watching something new or like watching a documentary or something, it's like usually a good sign for my mental health. Cause it's like, Oh, I'm like craving novelty. Like that's a good thing. I'm not just, watching this to like numb out and just not have to feel or think about anything. Um, so sometimes I like to, especially if we're having like a stay at home date night or something, it's like, Ooh, let's watch a spooky movie. Like let's watch something we haven't seen before. And, um, yeah, but I definitely do a lot of like self medicating with television too. So long story short chopped. I'm so mad that you're moving from Hulu. How could you do this to me? But I think I'm going to make it. It'll be all right. And, uh, yeah, what else? I mean, I guess, I guess I'm just okay, you know? I'm, I feel like I have had more ups and downs recently, which is a good thing because I'm having some ups. Like, the other night, like, I was in a really good mood, and I, like... On Friday night? Yeah. Yeah. I can kind of count the good moods that I've been in in the past, like, months. There's been, like, two. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, you know, and I'm on mood stabilizers, so it's, like, it makes me wonder, do I need to get off of them so I can, you know, yeah, I'll be bouncing up and down again, but at least I'll have more good moods. I've been thinking about that, but mood stabilizers are really hard to go off of, so... I've tried that once and it was a nightmare, but, uh, yeah. So just cross your fingers that some, I'll get more and more good moods okay. coming yeah. this way. But yeah, that's how I'm doing. Emery, how are you for real? I would say I'm pretty good. I have a, I'm excited about an upcoming trip that I have with my family. We haven't gone on a trip together and we've never gone, we haven't gone on a trip together in a while. We haven't gone a trip with the whole group ever so it's five children all under eight one is eight one is six one is four and the other two are both under a year old bless y'all's hearts and then there's two dogs coming <laughs> hillary wow. hillary is a jack russell terrier named after hillary clinton and then hank because my mom was mad about the election and then hank is the golden retriever who literally loves everyone and everything all the time 24 7 never stops and so they're going, and then my parents, and then my siblings, and their significant others, and then me alone. <laughs> I get to sleep on the sofa, but I have to be the fun uncle. So that's uh, and it's kind of a, it's from Monday through Sunday, which is a long time at a cabin with your family. But luckily, I do like all of them. It just is, and I love them too. But <laughs> but it's like it's a little overwhelming at first. So I've kind of created a plan. I was like, okay, well, this is what I'm going to do in the mornings. And, you know, I kind of have this little routine. And so I'll, I'll be okay. And I, I told my dad, I was like, I'm going to I'm gonna, um, be a good sport this week. 
because mm-hmm. I, I am definitely the moodiest of my family members. I'm the moodiest, you know, I need my alone time. Leave me alone <laughs> uh, to process everything in the world. So, uh, but if I am proactive about it, it's fine. But if I just like let it happen, I can be kind of testy with people. And they're like, oh, Emery's mean. And it's not that I'm mean. I just need alone time. But I'm not expressing that. So you have to express that. So I'll do that this week. And then this weekend, I saw uh, friends that I hadn't seen in a long time since before COVID. So it's been like 16, 17 months. And uh, there are a couple. And when I saw um, them, uh, yeah, I, the, there's my friends Allie and Morgan. And Morgan was pregnant at the time and now their their child uh little pippa is like 15 16 months old and it was just like whoa like when you just because you're like i felt like i because the concept of time has been so in flux that i'm like i saw you last weekend right it's like no you saw me 17 months ago (laughs) and and now i have a child there's a little kid running around but it was just really fun to be with them and it reminded me of two stories if we have time for me to tell them yeah it's when i so back in 2013, when I lived in Mississippi, I attempted suicide, and I went to uh, the hospital and then went to this uh, behavioral health facility and uh, because we were talking about it with them. And I, I love being able to have dinners or time with people, especially small groups or just like one or two people, and we can talk about really serious, intense stuff, especially mental health stuff, and we can connect on that level. And I was able to connect with them. And I told the stories about being at the <laughs> mental health center, which to me, I, it's, it's finding humor in really sad, scary, dark places. And I'm, I'm good at that. But I know that a lot of people, that's very uncomfortable for them. And I, I was telling Ashley before that, you know, one thing I like is that a lot of times she'll share memes on Facebook and it'll be like, you know, poking fun at the sad stuff. <laughs> and I like that. <laughs> you have to make the best of the darkest spots. Yeah, and I totally agree. And there was two stories that I remember. One was we were in, when I first arrived, and I sat down at this table in this kitchen area, and you know I'm all disoriented from everything. And this person looks at me, and she says, hey, what are you in for? Like, like we're in jail or whatever. And I was like, oh, I'm here for suicidal thoughts and a suicide attempt and you know all that stuff. And I was like, what about you? And she said, she just looked at me straight in the eye, and she says, homicidal thoughts. <laughs> I just remember <laughs> being like, whoa, okay. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> Because they just, because it was, there's this hospital in Mississippi, they just stuck everyone together and it was like, okay, like, you know, that's, that's a different, different layer. And, you know, that was a really quick, my first conversation. I thought she was kidding. Was she for real? She was for real. Yeah. Oh, wow. I was like, okay, yep. Gotcha. Uh, I just really, I did not expect that. Um, (laughs) And then there was another time where we had crafts time. We had arts and crafts. And for some reason they gave us, because they make, they make those facilities if anyone's listening, ever been to them. They make them super suicide proof. Like it is really hard to figure out how to hurt yourself there. And the one thing they do, um, well, during arts and crafts stuff, they had like scissors, which I was surprised they did that. But they had two people in the room with the group, and then at one point they lost the scissors. And the the lady looked up and she goes, "Where are the where where are the scissors?" And it was just like I started laughing because I was like, "This is the worst room to lose the scissors." You have suicidal thoughts, suicide attempt, homicidal thoughts. You're just like, "This is a terrible group to lose that." But I was like, "Okay, that's my dark sense of humor. I like that. I like that I can find 
funny stuff within ridiculous, dark, scary things. <laughs> and, you know, and I realize that's not everyone's style and that, you know, some people would hear that and be like, oh my God, that's terrifying. But for me, I just, I uncomfortably like immediately laughed. And that was, that was sparked last night having that dinner with them and be able to connect with people and be able to connect with someone who like is going through stuff as well, has been through stuff and we can connect through like dark thoughts and dark humor because that is my style. I don't want to make depression, anxiety, or my suicide stuff be like this like scary thing in the corner that I never address and never talk about. Like I kind of want to make fun of it. Like I don't want you to make fun of me for doing that stuff, but like I kind of want to make fun of it so it's not as scary, and and because it doesn't have to be that scary. And sometimes it is really funny. Like I have mental health stuff every day that I do, and I'm just like, okay, this is this is kind of ridiculous, or like, this is <laughs> silly, but I like that. So have you watched Bo Burnham's Inside yet? I've seen part of it. I think I saw the first. Th- I saw the first thirty minutes of my roommate. We had to stop, but like it was amazing. It's so good. I encourage you to finish it. Yeah. It, it it takes like dark humor and like it's really dark. It's really intense, and yeah. I laughed a lot. And people are like, my friend Savannah was like, there wasn't anything funny about that. It was really intense and dark, and I was like. I thought it was hilarious. <laughs> like, I don't know about y'all, but it was so, yeah. You yeah, will. I need to finish it. that. Is yeah. this a movie? It's a, it's a comedy special on okay. Netflix. He's like a, he's a performance artist, comedian type thing. And he did a whole special locked inside of his house, like during the pandemic. He started it in January before the pandemic started. And then he had to finish it like inside. And so he referred to it as, as inside. It's really good. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. Check that out. Yeah. And he has, yeah, dark sense of humor, you know, touches on dark things. And, but I, I love that so much. It's like when you're watching a scary movie and there's like a funny part that happens or like, or you might laugh at something maybe you're not supposed to laugh at. Like, cause I'm laughing at stuff I'm not supposed to laugh at all the time, but it's just that style of humor is just up my alley. So I like to be able to talk with someone or banter with someone who has a similar style of humor and isn't scared of going to those places. Yeah. Like you, Lizzie has a dark, you have a dark sense of humor. Oh yeah, definitely. I was actually, um, at Target the other day and I was, I have this shirt that has like a bunch of butterflies on it and stuff and it's like a rainbow and it just says someday we'll all be dead. And, um, the, uh, I love that so much. (laughs) It's one of my favorite shirts. I'm surprised I've never worn it when we record. Um, but the, there was like this really cheerful cashier at Target who was like kind of chatting it up with everybody and I totally just forgot what shirt I was wearing. And when I came up to the register, she she was like, oh, someday we'll all be. Oh, oh, my. <laughs> <laughs> she just looked so disturbed and I felt so bad. I was like, yeah, yo, you know, um, I like tried to like somehow backpedal and make it seem cheerier and i'm just like i usually call it my cheerful nihilism shirt it's just like yes embrace the abyss like someday we'll all be dead like it's fine Um, you can't avoid it yeah uh i was like yeah you know it's just a little silly thing and she was like well it it is what it is i guess (laughs) just like i feel like i (laughs) ruined this cheerful woman's day (laughs) with my t-shirt I feel like depressos and anxious people, like, I feel like we generally have dark sense of humor. Like, you know, I love like awkward stuff, you know, uncomfortable positions. Like I will laugh at it and not just like out of uncomfortable laughing, but like, because I think it's funny. Yeah. And then, but with that, like, that is so uncomfortable and awkward, but I love it. Like, (laughs) I wish I was there to watch her. (laughs) 
just like to see her smiling face just like crestfallen <laughs> from reading my shirt. <laughs> I feel like I ruined her whole day. Or maybe it motivated her to go buy that shirt. Maybe. She was afterwards, she was like, now I'm into that. Yeah. Just the, someday we'll all be, oh, oh. <laughs> okay. So Ashley, how are you for real? So I am very like, my mood is very elevated today because I am so excited that you all have invited me to be here. Like I have completely done a 180 on my mood today. So I'm really excited about that. Um, because I was really excited about just getting to spend time with people who I knew, like you said, have similar experiences and similar like sense of humor and those types of things. But generally, overall, I've been like not great. I'm bipolar too, and I would give anything for a hypomanic episode right now. I feel like I've been living in like a depressive state for more than a year, and it's just kind of like I know my meds were supposed to make it to where I don't cycle as often, but like. Can I get a mood cycle, y'all? Like, what do yeah. I got to do to get a mood cycle around here? Um, like, I've been really tired, and and I go to bed at, like, 9 o'clock at night, which is, like, really kind of sad in the summer because it's still daylight. And I kind of feel bad for my kiddos who are 16 and 13 and don't care about me at all, right? right? Like, they're upstairs doing their <laughs> own thing. Like, they care none. But, like... I'm like going to bed and I'm then I then I have like this whole like new series of emotions when I'm going to bed at nine o'clock. It's like I should be upstairs like playing with my children or hanging out. And then I'm like, they don't care about you, Ashley. Like you're fine. Go to sleep. <laughs> um, I've been real scatterbrained. I have um, inattentive ADHD also. Um, so I've been like real scatterbrained and real unmotivated to get things done. When you were talking earlier about, you know, getting your dishes and your laundry done. Like I was so proud of you. I was like, yes, go do it. Cause we, um, as a family, like cleaned up our whole house today. So dishes got done, the bathrooms got cleaned, you know, that kind of stuff. So, um, I felt a little better about leaving the house and then coming back into it. Cause I know that it's going to be in a better place than, you know, where it was earlier today. But yeah, so real tired, unmotivated. Um, and then I know like everyone gained weight during the pandemic and I'm very like, like fat positive and very much into like your weight is just a number. Like you shouldn't let that, you know, you shouldn't let that um, guide anything in your life like ever. But I made the mistake of like getting on a scale two nights ago. Oh, and I never do it. Scales are the worst. I don't, I was at, we don't even own a scale in our house. Like I have two daughters we're not trying to have eating disorders. That's just not, we don't, we don't even own a scale in our house. But we went over to a friend's house and I went to the bathroom and I saw it standing there and it was just like, I was like, I got to just, I just got to step on it just for a second, yeah. just to see, just to see. And I gained 30 pounds in the last year and I knew that I'd gone up a pant size. And I think that has also like really brought me down a lot extra, which is kind of like bringing down like some folks that I know because they because I'm like the person who's like your body is perfect and you are perfect and everything about you is perfect except for me everything I just told you is perfect about you is wrong about me mm. so you know so that that has really been wearing me down over the last like few days so um I'm not gonna like go on a diet or anything but I'm definitely gonna be down about my pant size <laughs> yeah well I mean I feel like a lot of people are feeling like that right now because it's like it's the summer after COVID, basically. And every a lot of people gain weight during COVID. Let's face it. We all were way less active. We were home more, pr probably eating more, just eating our feelings. I mean, I gained weight. And we just got to embrace it this summer, ladies. Like, we just got to love these bodies and 
wear whatever kind of bathing suits we want. Absolutely. And F it, right? Right. Absolutely. No, totally agree. It's just, I don't, I don't know. I just let it really, I just really let it get to me and I shouldn't have. And I think it's just because of where I'm at mentally already. I think if I would have cycled out of this depressive episode by now, I could have stood on the scale and I would have seen the number and I'd have been like, eh, it's whatever. Cause I've weighed myself in the past and not had any problems, but that was, that was just, it was really, really eating me up. So that's kind of been bringing me down the last few days. I had a similar thing where I, I ordered bathing suits from Aerie and I tried them on and they're just the most unflattering suits in the entire world. Like they changed the way they designed them. They used to be really flattering, but now I think they're just like designed for teenagers or something. Cause they just, they are just like, I can't even explain like how something could fit and also be so unflattering. It just like, it adds, to, adds 20 years to your age when you put this thing on. Um, so it was like, <laughs> so that was a real self-confidence booster. It was a real <laughs> self-confidence booster, but I'm going to return them. And then I ordered some really cute, uh, suits from Torrid, which is much more body friendly. Yes. So yes, I'm feeling good about the Torrid bathing suits. I think they're going to work out. Shockingly enough, the, best bathing suit tops that I've bought have been from Walmart. Really? I kid you not. I have the cutest, like, I bought a couple pairs of bottoms from Target. Um, and then the a couple of, like, the tops that I get the most compliments on. Because I wear two pieces a lot. Like, I'm 300 pounds and I wear two pieces. It's a thing. I own it. It's fine. Mm-hmm. I'm in my own backyard. Nobody cares. Like, um, mm-hmm. but I get the most compliments on the two tops that I got from Walmart over any of my other tops wow so just i know like nobody really wants to shop at walmart but if you're ever there well it kills me right now because i can't try stuff on anywhere anyway target you can now you can you can i was there and it was like full the whole time they were like it's like a constant stream of people in and out of the i was like i know the pandemic is over for everyone can we just everyone wants clothes that fit we've been wearing <laughs> ill-fitting clothes for like a year because you just have to order stuff and or buy it or return it and send it back and oh it's just such a pain there, do you remember the time when they weren't taking returns back at all do y'all remember that at the beginning of covid no. if you bought something i remember i bought a pair of shorts and i was really iffy it was last summer that it was last spring that i bought them and I remember being really iffy about buying them because there was like a good like month where like Kohl's, Target, Kohl's and Target for sure, I know, were like not taking returns back because nobody knew like how it lived on surfaces and those types of things. So I remember being like, I don't really know if I want to spend the money on these shorts if I can't, if I can't return them. So, but that went away quickly. Mm. Man. Well, we are actually at that time where we need to take a break. So we will be right back. Two Nights in a Pod is a program dedicated to talking about the real stuff. The stigma of mental illness, how we tend to our mental health, and how our brains define and empower us. Hosted by Lizzie and Emery, Two Nuts in a Pod can be found on podcast streaming devices such as iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, and CastBox. In addition to podcast streaming services, Two Nuts in a Pod is a proud member of Forward Radio. 1065 WFMPLP is committed to broadcasting the voices of those groups and individuals in our community who are routinely ignored by the mainstream media promoting understanding and collaboration among diverse groups, supporting our efforts to network, organize, and strengthen our community and our democracy. 
Forward Radio is a volunteer-powered, listener-supported station, and we need your contributions. Just go to forwardradio.org to donate or get involved. All right, we are back with Ashley Jacobs, the lovely Ashley Jacobs. And uh, this is a segment where we get to hear more about you, Ashley, um, and kind of your mental health history. But before we get into that, um, we always like to ask people, like, what made you feel comfortable coming on the show? Like, what made you want to come do this vulnerable thing and (laughs) share these parts that people don't talk about usually in polite conversation? Yeah, so I um, have always been pretty open about my mental health struggles because I've just... Um, I grew up in a home where it was very stigmatized and nobody in our house was diagnosed with anything, even though like every single one of us should have been like, it was just like, yeah, everybody had something, everybody had something. And so, um, when I got diagnosed as bipolar, uh, after my second daughter was born when I was 24, I was like, okay, I have to make sure that we are open about this as much as we can. But, and I'd always been like kind of open. And then two years ago I did, my first ever like real vulnerable event that Emory had invited me to for um, semicolon. And so, and that was like really like opened up a whole different level of it for me. It it made me realize that like our stories are much more impactful than we think and to be more open about it. And so I was really excited to come on here and, and talk about it with y'all and all y'all that are listening. Awesome. So, uh, what is your kind of mental health background? Like, I know you mentioned bipolar and, um, ADHD, but like, what's that journey been like? Like when were you diagnosed and what is that? Yeah. So, um, I had some postpartum depression after my first daughter was born at, I had, I had babies when I was a baby. So I had my first daughter when I was 21 and I had some postpartum depression after that. But I had a really good support system at the time. Um, So we were able to really, like, function through it in a very, like, easy way. Um, But then when our second daughter was born, the support system was not as great as it was previously. So the postpartum depression really hit me in a lot harder of a way, um, which made me seek out help through my OBGYN. And so she put me on an antidepressant. And then she's like, actually, I want you to follow up with... Um, with a psychiatrist that I that I know, and I was like, okay, cool, I can do that, because um, she was like, I really feel like there's something more going on here, and so um, after that, I got diagnosed mood disorder, undiagnosed, and then that eventually evolved into to bipolar two. Um, I always say I got diagnosed bipolar two at 24 because that's when I got diagnosed mood disorder, undiagnosed because they didn't have a really have a name for it then. Hmm. Um, and they weren't really talking about bipolar two a lot, you know. I guess it's been about fourteen years ago. Um, Quickly, what's the for people that don't know? What's the difference between like bipolar one and bipolar two? So with bipolar one, you have like manic episodes where you're very like mood is very elevated. You're doing a lot of like impulsive, um, hyperactive stuff. Like a lot of times, people will go on on shopping sprees and spend all the money in their banking account and in their savings or and it's a very easy to recognize as an issue problem um and then they have some depressive episodes but they're not like it's more of a come down 
from the manic episode that you really see with bipolar 2 it's it's the opposite so you have very very severe depressive episodes and you have what's called hypomania which is like you're a little bit elevated but not on the same level that you would be if you were having like a full-blown manic episode mm-hmm. um and so bipolar 2 went undiagnosed for a lot of people for a long long time it's just major depressive disorder because you would never go to the doctor for a hypomanic episode. You just wouldn't. Like I would tell my psychiatrist that always just made me feel like what a normal person feels like. Like I could sleep three or four hours a night, but then get up and be productive and hang out with my kids and we would play games and I would feel good. And that's not a going to the doctor, you know, kind of thing. Mm -hmm. So, but when I would have serious depressive episodes, then of course I would go see him. So it would be misdiagnosed for a long time until you had a hypomanic episode through mood tracking. So it takes a lot to really get to to that diagnosis. But how long, like, how long does a hypomanic episode have to last? Because I've been basically diagnosed with like, you know, mood cycling, and I was I had somebody who was basically treating me for bipolar for a while, and I'm taking drugs that are like bipolar drugs. So I'm still kind of feeling like unsure whether I have it or not. Like it's, I tested for it, and they said I didn't. But who it's knows? so strange how they are really like gatekeeping the bipolar two diagnosis from people. Like, just tell me if I have it or not. Like, you you know if I do or not. Um, but my hypomanic episodes usually last like a week to a month. Oh, okay. Um, See, mine would be like a day, so. Yeah. And then I have a really good crash afterwards. So when I joke and say, you know, I'd really give anything for a hypomanic episode, I just really want that elated feeling. I do not want that depressive crash. (laughs) Yeah. So, and then, um, so yeah, after being diagnosed bipolar at 24 um, with my severe postpartum depression, I was still having a lot of like like overstimulation issues um and we were going through meds and we were trying to figure it out and we had my mood stabilized but we still didn't understand what was causing like the extra aggravation and so when i was 30 i um wanted to be tested for adhd and my psychiatrist was like well i don't really know if you're adhd you don't really present it to me like that and i she was like what and i just don't want to write you a prescription for adderall and hope for the best and i was like well i don't want you to just write me a prescription like who wants to just be i mean i guess somebody does but like i didn't want her to just write me a prescription for adderall like i wanted like to do the testing and so i did like the long drawn out testing which i don't know if you've ever been tested for adhd but it is the most humiliating thing i did yeah in the whole wide world it made me feel like crap i cried in the middle of it and like went outside and had a cigarette well, yeah, I yeah. Don't, what happens oh my you just feel so it made me feel so dumb it just made yeah. me feel dumb like because he hands you a sheet of paper at one point in it and um you know it's like the letters a through I'm just going to say A through Z are on a paper, but really it wasn't that many. And then the numbers 1 through 26. And then you'd have connect like A to 1, B to 2, C to 3 on the paper, but it would be like scattered out. Mm -hmm. And you would only have so much time to do it. Well, I could only maybe get through like 10 letters in the amount of time that they wanted us to do it, which I know A1, B2, C3. Like it's not like I know it, but I just couldn't do it like on the paper. And then this dude, y'all... The lists, the lists were the ones for me that made me feel like, 
the worst because he like read a list to me and then he was like, okay, I want you to read the list back. And I remembered like one or two things off of the 10 list. And then he read it again. And then I remembered a few more and then he read it again. And I was so y'all, I could not tell you how proud of myself I was. I had figured out in my brain how to categorize them by like animal, like home items and vehicles. Like I remember those being the three things. And so I read them all back to him, like all 10 of them. I got them all back to him. And I was like, so proud of myself. And he was like, okay, good job. You know, cause I was like, <laughs> I was hyped on myself. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So then he reads me another list and I'm like, I got this because in my brain I have now figured out I can categorize all of these things. Right. And then he says, and I kid you not. Now tell me everything that was on the first list. Oh my gosh. And I broke down and cried because I could not remember a single thing mm -hmm. that was on that first list because I had replaced everything with the new list in my brain. And I was just like, are you sure you don't want to know what's on the other list? <laughs> he was like, like, that's not how the cares test about works. that first list, right? <laughs> right. We're done like, with that list. Right. We've moved on. <laughs> so, yeah, it's not a fun time. No, I took an IQ test along with it, too, which really made me feel dumb. I really, I mean, I didn't, I did fine on it, but it just, I, I've got, it was very like triggering for me. Like I have a lot of like insecurity issues about my intelligence. And so taking like an IQ test really like threw me, like I was worried that it would be lower than I thought it should be. And so I was just like a nervous wreck the whole time. And she was also testing for ADHD and bipolar. It's so, I mean, I, I did like six hours of testing or something that day. Yeah, that's wild. Yeah, I did. I broke my testing up into multiple sessions. Like my first session was like some 300 question questionnaire. Yeah, I did that. To had to rule out other personality disorders. But I really think that was just a way for them to just mess with you to see how long it took you to complete it because he would knock on the door like every like 20 minutes or something. And he was just like, are you good? You need anything? You need some water? And I was like, I'm never going to finish this. If you keep bugging me, I need you to stop. So, yeah. Yeah. And then, and then I had the big day where we, it was like another three hours of, of the alphabet that made me feel really good about myself. Mm. So, but from all that, you found out that you have ADHD. Clinically significant inattentive ADHD. So at least I wasn't making it up in my brain. Like, cause that's another thing I struggle with. You know, I'm just kind of like. Like, is there really something wrong with me or am I just making this up? So to have like that on paper, like made me feel better because I like went home and I was like, see, this means I have it really bad. I told y'all. Like, <laughs> well, it provides validation. Yeah, it really and Then you does. put it up on the fridge and like, look at me. Look at me. I'm <laughs> clinically significant. <laughs> I'll never forget that. Has it like changed, like getting that diagnosis later in life? Has it literally like, life changing? Yeah. Has like it changed the way you think about your brain and like your life experiences and I didn't know that you could have a quiet brain like I didn't really know that that was like a thing until I started taking meds for ADHD um I mean and even with my first dose like I just remember being like is this what regular people like feel like like there's no noise there's no there was no um I used to to say that like I felt like information would get stuck in my forehead like when I would just be trying to take in take in stuff and I didn't have that feeling anymore um yeah it has made a huge difference on like my 
my mental health journey, it did, it did like almost like a 180 after that. Cause that, that diagnosis was, was huge. Hmm. Yeah. And how, how long ago was that? Seven years. Seven years okay. Yeah. And it helps like with the anxiety cause you can have like ADHD induced anxiety, ADHD induced um, depression. My 16 year old goes through that. She has inattentive ADHD as well. Um, and so she will ha- kind of have those like mood cycles of depression and anxiety if we're not like she doesn't take her medicine in the summer because she's not under any pressure or stress or anything. But she like absolutely has to take it during the school year or she will just like break down and just not be there for a few days. Yeah. And that's always fun to explain because I, as you can imagine, I'm very open with everyone about about that. So, you know, I'll tell them I'll be like, she's just having a very serious depressive episode and she'll be in, in a few days. I'll have a note from her doctor. And they're just like Oh, okay. <laughs> you know, they don't they don't really expect you to be like, Oh, she had a panic attack this morning before breakfast. Like Yeah. They're just like, Oh, oh, well I hope everything's okay. <laughs> but I love that though. Because yeah, I, I know that I still struggle with that where it's like, Hey, I'm just not feeling well but you know, oh like my stomach hurts or my head hurts or something like that where it's like ninety five percent of the time for me it is mental health stuff. It's yeah. like my stomach is fine, my head is fine. Well, maybe my head's not that fine, <laughs> but, but yeah, I'll, I'll, a lot of times make that up. So yeah. it's, I, I, I'm very glad that you don't do that. And then yeah. you can be like, yeah, depressive episode or panic attack. Yeah. I'll do that for that. And then my other daughter, I don't know if we can talk about this or not. Like she has really bad periods. And so that's like another thing I'll call them. Gene and she'll miss like a one day a month. No questions asked. Like she just has one really rough day. And when I call them and tell them, I tell them exactly why, like she's missing. I'm like, we're going to be doing this once a month. Go ahead and mark it on the calendar. Like yeah. kind of ordeal because like you have to really be open and blunt with those things. Cause if you just beat around the bush about it, like it just stays this stigmatized thing and yep. it's just not, it's a very good point. It's not fair. It's not fair to the person experience it. And it's not fair to the person having to, to, you know, take in that information for it to be stigmatized like that. One thing that I was thinking of, uh, so you said that when you were a kid, your household was pretty quiet about mental health stuff. Yes. Didn't really talk about it, even though everybody had something, but nobody talked about it. And it seems like you've tried to cultivate the complete opposite in your house. And not only naming certain things, but I was wondering, like, how else you do that? How are you able to cultivate a household that's that avoids that stigma and talks openly about mental health? We just talk a lot about it all like if I'm having a bad day like I don't say to them you know I don't say to them like I'm just having a bad day or or sometimes I will say like I'm having a bad day but if I'm having a depressive episode if I'm having something you know like when I'm going to bed like right now with all these times like Sarah my 13 year old she asked me she was like why are you going to bed so early and I'm like I'm just really depressed lately that's just what you know we're experiencing and so, and I, we just, we're just really open about it all the time and being married to a man, it can be hard for him to like pull those feelings out sometimes, but he's actually been doing a pretty good job over the last few years, kind of like talking about it. But yeah, I just make sure that like, I don't beat around the bush about like how I'm feeling or what I'm experiencing or what I'm going through. Um, yeah. And then, then, you know, they take those experiences and they do the same. That's really awesome. Yeah, because that's, that's not what happened for me as a kid. And I try to be more open now about it. And I think my family, my sister's a therapist now, and my, my family's definitely more open about it. But it's, you know, there's so many years, it's like, wow, we suppress so much. And 
what, what would have happened if we had those conversations then? I'm always curious about them. I mean, oh my gosh, if my mom went to therapy, oh my, I might be a completely different person right now. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm fine with that being on the radio. <laughs> yeah. Well, like, my, my family didn't talk about it either, but my parents both dealt with it. And I was a sensitive kid, so I noticed. I didn't know what it was, but I, I noticed, like, if my mom was sleeping a lot or something like that. Um, and, yeah, I feel like they didn't talk about it because they didn't want to make their problems our problems. Um, and that's a very... But I'm like, but your problems are my problems. Like, I'm feeling this stuff, too, so... If I, it would have been so helpful to know that they had it so that maybe I could name it in myself that much earlier. It's a very thin line to tread because you don't want to project your own feelings or your own experiences onto your children. Like I have a sensitive child, my youngest one, she's very, she's very sensitive. And so, and I, and she worries a lot about me. Um, and I hate that for her because I do feel like in a sense, like sometimes my like talking about it is is a little much for her because I put her on a different level of I put her on a on a different level of intelligence than I probably should like she's cuz she's so smart and she's so she acts so grown and so I treat her sometimes like she's more of an adult than I do a 13 year old and that can be not great also you know and so sometimes I do worry that I make their problems not their problems my problems their problems are my problems <laughs> mm-hmm. sometimes I make my problems their problems and it is it's a very it's a very thin line to tread. Hmm. But yeah, I know that just growing up in, in my household, like I knew that my parents struggled with certain things and my dad was an alcoholic. Um, and, you know, very much like codependency personality and very much like, you know, if there's a mess, you clean it up and you don't talk about it. And like, it's, you know, you fix it. Like there's no like conversation. So things were quote unquote fixed, but it's like, okay, like, are we having these conversations and expressing like exactly what's happening are we just completely avoiding it and just going to let that just keep building and festering for years and years until it pops? Because um, that's, I mean, that's exactly what happened to me with going through my suicidal stuff. It's like, hey, for, for I dealt with this for decades. I just wasn't talking about it and mm-hmm. didn't have an outlet for that that I felt was healthy and safe for me. And so that it popped one day. And that can happen. I feel like that happens to a lot of people. So I really applaud you for creating that environment within your household where people feel comfortable talking about those things. Thanks you. Thank thanks you. Thanks you. <laughs> thank you. I uh I don't give myself a lot of credit for a lot of things, but I am a pretty good parent. Um and I know people won't really say that about themselves very often, but I look at my kiddos and I'm just kind of like, All right, I'm doing okay. They're turning out all right. Like, you know, but you said um earlier about accidents and how you would just like kind of clean it up and moved on. We, we have a big thing in our house about how accidents are accidents and how we should never see them as anything more than that. And we don't lose our tempers over them. And we don't, um, you know, we just try to go through the day as cool as possible because nothing is really worth getting too overly worked up about. Okay. And yeah, final question before we move into gratitudes. If there is, actually, if there's like one piece of advice that you can give to parents or families that are trying to cultivate that within their own household, what would you, what would you say? It's always remember that just because our children are smaller people, that doesn't mean that they are lesser people. And that doesn't mean that they deserve to know less or be involved less. We've always treated our kids as equals. 
And so I thought that I think that has been something that has really helped us in being able to like cultivate that environment um, by not by not letting our kids think that they are that they are less than we are because they are smaller, that they have feelings too. They have emotions as well. They're going to have mood swings. And those are all very valid things to experience because as human beings, we all experience them regardless of how old we are. Very cool. Thank you. Nice. All right. So gratitudes, we'll go through these pretty quickly. Um, so gratitudes, we just kind of talk about what the things we're grateful for. We usually in the episode get into some dark stuff so we like to end on kind of a positive note so gratitudes you guys got to start because i haven't thought of mine yet it's <laughs> always my thing i'm bad at gratitudes i'm gonna let emory go first i'm real bad yeah I, I have my little gratitude journal that i wrote in this morning i one of the things i wrote was i actually was i was grateful that i'm accepting of change so i know this is not that big of a deal but i actually am changing my hairstyle <laughs> Right. And I remember my hairstylist was actually like excited because she was like, oh, I've thought of all these ideas for you and everything. So it was like we're kind of going through the phases because it's not I, I realize it's not one of these things you can just be like, oh, new style, unless I was getting a buzz cut or something, uh, which I'm not eight years old anymore. No offense to people that get buzz cuts, but that's what I had when I was eight years old. Um, so, yeah, we're just going through that. So I was I like that I am accepting of change and that I'm adaptable and that I'm. I'm always, I'm, I know change is always going to happen, and I, I appreciate that about myself, and I'm grateful that I'm very good at accepting change. Nice. So it was just something as little as a haircut. I'd be like, okay, yeah, and notice that into a bigger thing. So that's what I'm grateful for. Okay, who's next? Lizzie, are you ready? Yeah, I'm ready. Okay. Um, kind of thinking about the qualities in myself that I'm grateful for, I would say resiliency is something that I'm really grateful for because it's just been – I mean, I've been in a depressive episode basically since COVID. Um, I actually, I had a brief, like a few months into COVID, I was really up. I was feeling really good. And then it just dropped and it's just kind of like stayed down. Um, and I'm just really, I guess, proud of myself that I, you know, I've had low moments and I've definitely had like suicidal ideation from it. And especially because I've had the anxiety with it, it's just like, it never lets up. But, um, I think I've learned to tolerate it a little bit more, um, so that it's not as scary to me. Like the emotions don't scare me as much as they used to. I'm like, this is anxiety. It's like greeting an old friend. It's like, okay, you're here. You can come sit at the table with me. Um, but I'm still going to get my life done. And um, I think I've just gotten better and better at that through COVID and through this experience I've had with my mental health, which it's been just like a really rough year um, where I didn't get the usual respite that I got. Like I didn't get happy in the fall like I usually do. I didn't get happy in the spring. Now summer depression's coming for me. <laughs> so... Yay. Yeah. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I'm grateful for my resiliency. Very cool. Nice. I am grateful um, for my calm demeanor. I think I'm going to go with that one. Um, because when you talk about raising kids and having mental health issues, it can be very overwhelming and very overstimulating at times. Um, and now I have teenagers, so that's like a whole new ball game within itself um and like and so I think my ability to just kind of like stay calm and take everything like 
as it happens on a day-to-day basis and say, okay, we're not going to get too worked up over this today because it's not, it's not worth it. It's not worth the, the mental energy. It's not worth the time. I think that, um, I think that calm demeanor has made a big difference on, on where I am today as a parent and as a person. So nice. These are great gratitudes. Yeah. I like these a lot. You said you got us off to a good start. Aw, thank you. <laughs> All right. So that is it for today. Ashley, thank you so much for being on the show. It was wonderful ch- chatting with you. Thank you for ch- having ch- me. Ch- chatting. <laughs> thank you so much for having me. <laughs> All right, guys. Keep talking about your feelings. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to Two Nuts in a Pod on Forward Radio. Please keep in mind that we are not mental health professionals, and all of our opinions are based on our personal experiences. If you'd like to speak to a trained professional, call National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 1-800-273-TALK. That's 1-800-273-8255. The crisis line is available 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. Original theme music for Two Nuts in a Pod was composed by Neil Lucas.